Before we get straight into the podcast, I just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, D Kirby GA Star. Declan Kirby GA Star Championship Journey. It's a series of GA team children's books written by primary school teacher and GA coach Michael Egan. You can check it out in the link in the description down below, of course, as well. Follow the trials and tribulations of Declan Kirby and his team at Smith Green Gaelic Football Club, recently formed a promising GA team. The book is now available in Easton's and all good bookshops, so check it out in the description down below. And let's get straight into it welcome back to GEA fan tv my name is aaron i'm delighted to be joined here by matthew hurley from the GEA statsman podcast it's the hurling and football review show obviously from the weekend and we'll start off with today's hurling action first of all because obviously there was a lot of uh, bumper action across in, in hurling and we'll discuss football a little bit later on but i suppose first of all how's yourself anyway you enjoying the weather i mean it's um we've had some weather over the weekend anyways some weather iron and thanks for having me on again but uh, yeah the weather is unbelievable it's great to have Jay it was brilliant games over the weekend but one place we can start I like to offer my deepest condolences to the Duffy family from Monaghan after the loss of Brendan Oak on Friday night um, hard to lose on Saturday morning I watched the game on Friday night with them playing Donegal in the under 20 they beat him in an epic encounter and then for that to happen to a young lad, 19 years of age, younger than both ourselves, it's 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 just tragic what what happened over the weekend. And there was questions whether the game should have gone ahead with our man Monaghan, considering our man also a COVID cases. I don't know. I know it was a brilliant game in the end, but look, it, it probably really shouldn't have gone ahead uh, with all the commotion going on beforehand. Like, you look, for example, Aaron Mulligan, who probably should have been under 20, playing ten- centre-forward in that game. What must have gone through his head? Like, it was it was a it was a tragic situation. And again, I'd like to offer my deepest condolences to the Duffy family. And the reaction for the GA community countrywide has been absolutely outstanding. Bitted silences, bitted applause. Held up and down the country, the Cork under twenty team making aim and having a bit of silence and training. Like the whole GA community got together, and I, again, I'd like to offer my deepest condolences to the Duffy family and um, rest in peace, Brent Oak. Yeah, absolutely. Same for myself. I'd I'd like to offer my deepest condolences as well to to his family, to his friends, and and all connected. I, I should have mentioned that on the match reaction and the in the Monaghan Armagh game, but I think because of how crazy a game was, it it was it kind of just slipped over my head in that brief moment. But yeah, absolutely. I'd like to to offer my condolences as well. Like it was it was a hard one to comprehend. To be honest, it's still it's a hard one to speak about. Like I know even in the I was at the Dublin Kilkenny game at the weekend, and there was a, a minute silence before the game, and it was. It was spine tingling in many ways. It was, um, but yeah, like what you said, like the way the GEA community has reacted to it, I think is, has been brilliant. And I do think the game probably shouldn't have gone ahead, but I suppose it, it did in the end. And, you know, obviously that was the, the situation. I suppose moving on anyway to, to, to run through the games, obviously in, um, well, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll start with the hurling, I suppose. And it was Limerick and Tipperary. It was an absolute cracking game. Yesterday, it was Limerick 229, Tipperary 321. I suppose this weekend in particular, we've seen a lot of nearly comebacks. Like Armagh did come back against Monaghan in some ways, but obviously still went on to lose the game. Mead nearly came back against Dublin. Wexford nearly came back against Clare. But Limerick did come back against Tipperary. They were 10 points down at half time. I mean, that's probably one of the the all-time comebacks in, in Hurland from what I can remember, especially, you know, in such a high-profile game between two big rivals. 
Absolutely, and it, it just shows the power Limerick have. They were 10 points down or something at, at half-time, and the third of the round, and even John Coyley was saying in the post-match interview, they had to be on it from the, for the get-go of the second half, and they were, they were in Tipperary's faces. They turned the ball over multiple times, and what epitomised Limerick's play probably was Kyle Hayes' goal, the determination just to get down the field and score absolutely tremendous goal it was it was absolutely brilliant it's probably the goal of the year already and yeah it just shows Limerick are still the best side in the country and by a boil really well not by a boil but even to come back from that deficit like Tipperary were playing so well and it was no fault of their own they did um couldn't see foresee what Limerick had up their sleeve and geez Limerick just tore into them from the get-go of the second half as John Coyley said and you know, gave him a shock. Like Tipperary only scored, I think it was one five in the second half, which is well in the outset it looks bad, but that's really down to Limerick pressure, and it just shows they are the best team in the country. Country, they're probably going to win the All Ireland. I think the only team that could beat them is Galway, but we'll have to wait and see. Tipperary, I actually thought would beat them, but alas, no. And maybe the league was just a false dawn, really. And Limerick are back to be dominant once again, and. Look, they're an outstanding team. We should just sit back and enjoy them. The power they have, the strength they have, the commitment they have, and it is absolutely brilliant to watch. And no matter if you're a rival of Limerick, you have to admire the way they play and the way they put teams away in that second half, obviously, against Tipperary. And look, it was an absolute brilliant watch and an absolute brilliant comeback. Probably one of the best comebacks in hurling history, monster final history in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, Limerick outscored Tipperary two twelve to to two points. I think in the in the opening in that in that third quarter, which is like nothing short of remarkable, really. Like I mean, it wasn't they didn't just come back, you know, and and, and scrape the win. Like they came back and absolutely obliterated Tipperary. Like it wasn't even a contest going into the closing stages. Like and I suppose for Tipperary, it's it is sort of a strange one because like in the first half, their their long puck out strategy was working really really well. Uh, obviously Morrissey came in in the second half and done a fantastic job for Limerick completely changed the game and, and Tipperary just seemed to run out of ideas but like I suppose for Tipperary like I, I kind of wonder is they, like they, they've been so reliant on the likes of your Shamey Callanans and your McGraths and, and your Jason Fords like they didn't really have anything to turn to on the bench whereas Limerick obviously brought Aaron Glan on and we'll, we'll get on to the kind of red card incident in a moment but I suppose for Tipperary they just didn't seem to have any options or any answers going into that final 15 to 20 minutes? They didn't know. And uh, Camden actually used to be a, a goal-getter, um, your number one option to try get a goal. And it's interesting, I had um, Mike McCarthy for the Premier View podcast on during the week, and he was he was saying, Camden, he works for the team more so now. He doesn't he doesn't contribute you know, to big scores like the likes of Jay Barris and John Bubbles of the Wire did yesterday. Look, you'd rather, and he said you'd rather have the 2019 Seamus Handen. As much as you like him working for the team, you need that goal-getter on your team, the person you can always turn to when things are going wrong. And Tipperary, I think the Heat played a huge factor as well. They put so much energy into that first half, and you can't sustain all that energy. And in 27-degree heat, it's, it's just near and impossible. And look, Limerick... They didn't perform to their best in the first half. They only scored 12 points. And then 
boom, like, you know, the weather did play a huge factor as well. You know, you know Tipperary, they were down their feet in the second half. And maybe that was something they need to improve on going to the next round. You know, they need to not put so much energy into the first half. I know they were miles ahead, but Limerick always had that gear to step up into. And look, as you said, Tipperary, they didn't really have that firepower off the bench. And maybe that's because they didn't blow the youngsters like they they really should have done in the league. Like, Jay Morris is probably the only one they blooded in. Like, you have the likes of Andy Ormond, JD Devaney, who is waiting for a chance there. And I don't think they're even in the squad. So, it's it's a tough one with Tipperary. I think the young players should be blooded because you give them an extra edge coming off the bench. But, once again, well done to Limerick and Tipperary have to lick their wounds going to the quarterfinals. Yeah, like, I suppose for Tipperary, it's... Not the first game they've been involved in this year where there's been a few contentious refereeing decisions. Obviously, in the Clare game, it went in their favour when Aidan McCarthy was, was sin-binned and, and Tipperary got the penalty, even though it was way down the sideline. And the, in this game, Galan and, and, and Flanagan, probably very obvious red cards, in, in my opinion. I think most people would probably agree with that. Like, uh, I suppose it's tough for referees, but it just seems to be at the moment, the majority of the decisions, especially in Hurland anyway, aren't going in the right way. And it seems different referees have different opinions. They seem to have different interpretations of different rules. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Look, um, as regards the two decisions and all, the, all that, like Limbrick, they've done this before. Like they probably should have got one, not even two sending off last year. The Allards heavy pointing at Galway. Definitely the Garrod Hagerty one where he swung across your man. There's Aaron Galan for top of the goalkeeper as well. In many people's eyes, that probably should have been a red as well. So Limerick do do this. They are aggressive in their play. And look, it was a it was a red card. Definitely Galan's one was an obvious red card. I, I couldn't see why it wasn't. And Tipperary will feel aggrieved by it. But then again, you should be surprised the way Limerick play. They just they just they're they're aggressive in their play. They put so much into it and they make a stupid fall, but then the ref doesn't see it as a red card, and Flanagan's the same. Like as you say, it's not really consistent so far, and that's that's the worrying aspect. I think the foot and the worrying aspect really, the football refereeing is actually much better than the hurling refereeing, which you wouldn't have said is coming into the championship um, at all. So look, there's things to work on for the referees, these key decisions, and I just wonder. I know people will be hugely against this, against this. I put a poll up in my story during the lockdown. Would um, GA fans accept the likes of VAR or team owner game? But looking at those incidents there, maybe it is something for the future. Maybe the referee needs a monitor to look at and um, call a decision. So look, it wasn't the right, it wasn't the right card, the, referee, the way the referee seen it, but I definitely would have seen it as a red and Maybe we can bring VAR and TMO into the game, but I know people will be against us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like that's actually what I had down here next in, in terms of talking about VAR, because obviously I know like in the in, in soccer and in the Premier League, like it's it's used very badly. But I do think in the GA in particular, there's obviously no offside rule. And that's, you know, that's the main issue when it comes to, to soccer. Like that's the main problem, I think. I think other than that, it's actually used really, really well. So I think in the GA and in Hurling in particular, I think it would actually, like if they done it right and they done it well, I think it definitely could make a difference because like what you said there, like the 
the I, I almost forgot about the Glan incident in the Galway game last year. That was definitely a, a red card. Like in this game, it was a red card. There was a Dan McCormick incident in the in, in this game as well. So like there seems to be so many issues all the time. Like he even had the the Aiden McCarthy one in the in the Tip Clare game. You know, Dublin in the Dublin Kilkenny game, there were a few contentious issues in there as well. Dublin Mead, you know, there, there was a few kind of stonewall penalties in there. So, like, it, I do think it, like, maybe they should trial it. Like, I think the only problem with the GEA is sometimes they kind of have a habit of kind of making a hash of these things. But I mean, look, listen, when Hawkeye was coming in, I think a lot of people felt it wouldn't work. It's worked perfectly. You know, if VAR was to come in, I know obviously it's an amateur sport, so it's kind of an issue how they were to, to work around it. But I mean, it's definitely something they could trial for at least a year or two, anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'd be more down the roots of the TMO. Like you said, the Premier League correctly there, it's it's not used very well at all. Like the fans can't interact with it. Well, it's obvious because it'll probably start a riot in soccer. But look, I'd be more down the roots of the TMO and rugby. You know what's going on. You know the conversation between the referee or the captain, whatever, and when the referee calls over the captain and and the, the actual television match officials gets involved in the conversation as well, and you actually know what's going on. You get clarity. I'd be more down that route if we could get um, something like a TMO more than VAR, because, yes, we probably need it in soccer, but we just don't know what's going on on the pitch. The ref doesn't say anything, really, and you don't know why he goes down to a monitor, etc. So I'd be actually more down the route of a TMO and rugby. I don't know, would you be a fan of that game, Aaron? But look, I've watched the Six Nations through lockdown. It was an entertaining tournament. And the way the ref interacted with, with the players, with the television match official, I think it's something the GA can definitely look at. Yeah, yeah, definitely something we're trialing. Like I haven't, I haven't watched much rugby now in the past couple of years. But I mean, if it works, it works, and they can give it a trial and give it a go. I mean, I don't see why not. I, I know, it, like it, it doesn't seem to be an issue in rugby anyway. From what I hear, like it seems to be that it always seems to be very like smooth sailing, and you never really hear of contentious refereeing issues ever come out of rugby. Like you never hear of people debating or, or anything like that so it's definitely something that they they could definitely look into in my opinion I suppose for, for from a Limerick point of view like what you said I mean it's, it's very hard to see them being stopped from here because I think like the main thing for me was like they kind of clicked last year when they played Tipperary and I felt like in this game they were going to click in the first half it looked like maybe that they'd just gone as far as they could this year in particular but in the second half, they clicked into gear and we've all seen with Limerick, like we've seen it last year, once they click into gear, once they get into their best form with the likes of Kyle Hayes and, and Keane Lynch and Aaron Glan as well, who's been relatively quiet so far up until this game, like it's going to be very hard to, to see how any of them, how anyone stops them, given the fact that Galway were beaten by Dublin and maybe Kilkenny, but like it, it's going to be hard to see who, who stops Limerick from here. It's hard enough to see it already, yeah, but um, you look at Galway, maybe they got the kick up the backside they needed after losing to Dublin, and they definitely have the players to beat Limerick. I, I just wonder, like, if it all pans out playing sailing, they'd probably play Tipperary in the quarterfinals if they get over Watford, which I think they probably will next Saturday. So they'll probably play, I, I don't know, I think they might play Limerick in the semifinals. That might be a game where Limerick come out stuck. Other than that, it's hard to see any team stopping them, to be honest. Like Cork, it's a year too early. 
Kilkenny, I don't think, are that great. Well, I suppose they weren't in the top gears at all against Dublin. They still got the job done, but I still don't think I still don't think they're that great of a team. Clare, well, most of Clare's players are actually stepping up this year than Tony Kelly, so that's a positive. But I still don't think they're good enough to beat Limerick. So, and Dublin, look, at, I know they had the COVID problem over the weekend, but I still don't see them beating Limerick either. So, you look at you're looking towards Galway. I'm afraid they're the only fellas that can actually save us from this Limerick dominance. But other than that, I can't see anybody beating Limerick. It's going to be an interesting hurling championship if Galway get Limerick in the semi-finals and beat them. And then that puts the cat amongst the pigeons. But other than Galway, I can't see anybody beating them, to be honest. Yeah, it is going to be interesting, all right. And like what you mentioned with Kilkenny there, they obviously beat Dublin 125 to, to 19 points. I suppose it was comfortable from Kilkenny in the end and it obviously was expected with the with the COVID cases. You obviously had Ronan Hayes, Oshino Rourke, all out missing, Keno Callahan as well. Owen O'Donnell went off after two minutes. So I suppose comfortable from Kilkenny. They definitely weren't at their absolute best, but I suppose they didn't really need to be like, especially in the second half, they were always comfortable because Dublin really never put up much of a challenge in the second half. So I suppose comfortable enough from the Cats. Comfortable, yeah. Um, look, Kilkenny just put them away like um, decent sides do and... Look, it actually looked like it was going to be a game when it was nine all. I thought Dublin would actually kick on, but let's be let's be honest here. Look, at the start of the game, Dublin's aim was just to stay with Kilkenny as much as possible because Ronan Hayes was a huge loss, Keno Callahan a huge loss, and even Fergal Whiteley and Oshino O'Rourke, who could bring something different off the bench as well, were absolute huge losses for them. So, in that regard, it was it was a tough tough past couple of days for Dublin. The the advantage here, I think, is if they could get them four players back for the quarterfinals, they'd probably play, I don't, I don't know who they'd play, I think they'd play Cork or Clare, the way the draw is going. They, I think Cork, it's a bit early for them. Clare seemed to struggle without Tony Kelly, but not so much this year, but still Dublin can take them on. So... That's a po- that's a positive for Dublin. You look at the four players coming back. I don't know what's the story with Owen O'Donnell. I think, but it look at, looks of the way he went off against Kilkenny. It looks like his season's over, which is an absolute huge loss for Dublin because he's a colossal influence on that team. But as regards to Kilkenny, job done. Look, they they set out what they need to do. They won their second Leinster title in the row seventy three. No, and it's an absolutely incredible record. Most of them was Brian Cody's um, work. So, look, Kilkenny win yet another Leinster title, but Dublin, look at the players to come back in for them after the COVID cases. They aren't gone particularly yet, considering they might play Cork or Clare at the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I, I thought especially, like what you said, like in the first half, that Dublin done a, a good job, like especially defensively, actually, to be fair. The likes of, uh, you know, Paddy Smith and, and Adrian Dunphy, even Dara Gray as well, James Madden. I thought all done a really good job. Like Kilkenny were certainly fairly quiet in the first half. And I don't think Owen Cody or TJ Reid had the type of influence that we all expected because normally Owen O'Donnell would mark TJ Reid and he's done a fantastic job on him over the past couple of years. But to be fair, Adrian Dunphy, who came in, done a done a just as good a job in the first half. It was just the second half, really, where Kilkenny just pulled away and Dublin kind of just looked a bit tired, to be fair. I suppose, like like we were saying there with Dublin, I'm pretty sure they will play the, the winner of Cork and Clare. Well, provided that Galway beat Waterford, because I don't think we can get 
Galway. So, like, it's not impossible for Dublin to get to a an All Ireland semi final. Um, but I suppose from a Cork and Clare point of view, they'll probably look at it and think that's a big opportunity for for one of them to potentially go to a an All Ireland semi final as well. It is, and considering the way Cork put away Dublin last year, that'll give them confidence that they could go on and and beat them eventually, despite what Dublin have done so far this season. So, and to even look at Clare, they'll look at towards that game as well at the qualifiers last year and look at how they are playing without even without Tony Kelly in the team, the likes of Aidan McCarthy, Ian Galvin, etc., stepping up, Ryan Taylor, etc. So, look. Whoever gets through Clare and Cork, it'll be a tough game against Dublin. I think Dublin are much improved from last year. I think the big loss, though, is Owen O'Donnell. Like, if Cork or Clare, with their forwards of the team, get the run of this Dublin team and put pressure on that full back line, I'm not sure what Keane O'Callaghan and Paddy Smith deal with the guile Cork and Clare have. But stranger things have happened. But as I said, Owen O'Donnell... Absolute huge loss, and that's the key component of the Dublin team. I'm not sure will he be back. A hamstring injury takes a while to fully recover from. So, look, whoever gets through Clare or Cork, it will be a tough game, but they'll probably fancy their chances. And considering the way the draw is going, they could face the likes of Kilkenny in the quarter in the semi finals, excuse me. And considering what happened against Waterford last year. An all the final, possibly, is on the horizon. I don't want to get too ahead of myself as a Cork fan, but it's looking that way, the, the way the draw is going. Like, I was I was thinking if we get Waterford instead of Clare, but we got Clare eventually. So that would be a that would be no given on Saturday. Um, get over that. We'll probably play Dublin the way the draw is going to quarterfinals. And Kilkenny, considering what Waterford did to last year, that'll give him... Uh, whoever gets through that qualifier game, huge confidence to get into the All Ireland final. So, look, it's it's a good path to go down to avoid Limerick or Galway. But then again, in this championship, there's nothing given, and Dublin will want to prove a point after uh, the beating they got on Saturday night. Mm. Yeah, and I suppose for Kilkenny, like um, like personally, I feel like like they. They're one of those teams that looks like they could be about to click and, and, and get a ride, like because obviously they have one of the best hurlers in the country and, and TJ Reid and on Cody's look brilliant, but they've now got the likes of James Marr and James Bergen coming off the bench. Like, I mean, I don't know, like I have a sneaky feeling with the way the draw is kind of going. You could easily have a Kilkenny Limerick final, a repeat of obviously the 2019 semi-final. Kilkenny obviously the last team to beat Limerick. And with Brian Cody's influence as well, and with the experience still in the Kilkenny side with the likes of Hugh Lawler in there, like, I don't know, like, I, I kind of made one of these comparisons the other day with one of my mates I was saying, like, Kilkenny are a bit like Man United in the soccer, you know, they, they're they that big, they're that good, they, they have too much of a hurling stronghold in the country to go away, and I feel like with the fact they've now won back-to-back Leinster titles, like, that might just be the confidence that they need to potentially go on and, I suppose, end this mini drought that they're on and not winning the, the Lee McCarthy. It's an interesting comparison you make with uh, Man United. Like I'd actually compare Limerick to Man City and look what Man United have done to Man City over the past few seasons. So anything's possible. Um, I, I actually, like, as you say, TJ Reid is an outstanding player. Hugh Lawler wrote the full back line and they're much stronger defensively now this year. And you look at the one Cody, he can add that extra spark up front. Walter Walsh coming off the bench the last day. He is still, still something to offer. So, Look, 
nothing's impossible. They can beat Limerick, but I just think Limerick are too strong for them. I think they were they were very good against uh, Wexford in parts of that game and put Dublin away with ease at the end on Saturday, despite the COVID cases in the Dublin camp. But Kilkenny did their job and they move on. But look, Limerick, the way they played yesterday, I still think possibly Galway on a good day can beat them. You like the look of their players and their team. Kilkenny could beat them with the tradition they have, but. Look, it'll, it'll be a huge ask for this Kilkenny team. And seeing what happened against Waterford, I'm not sure much people will trust them in the bookies after what happens in that second half performance last year at Crow Park. So, look, they obviously can beat Limerick. They were the last team to do it, as you correctly said there. So, anything's possible, as I said, in this Hurley Championship. It's a very tight championship, but I still think Limerick will have enough to beat what's in front of them in Ireland, even the likes of Galway who could do it, Kilkenny who could do it, but other than that, like it's it's probably going to be played sailing for Limerick. Like they might put in a drab first half performance for the rest of the championship and then turn up in the second half when no one expected. But we'll have to see. It's going to be an unreal championship going into the next few weeks, but Kilkenny could definitely beat them, given tradition, but I, I wouldn't back them myself. Honestly, yeah, I suppose Limerick are, are still the team to be at the moment, and I suppose another team that is making strides at the moment is Clare. They obviously beat Wexford 225 to 222. I suppose a cracking game of hurling. Obviously, Wexford didn't get going in the opening 10 minutes, like 10 15 minutes. Clare outscored them 110 to one point. Wexford obviously rallied late on and, and turned it around before Gary Cooney obviously got the late goal, and then Lee Chin responded with a goal of his own for Wexford, but it was kind of game over by then, I suppose. Clare go marching on and, and, and disappointment again for, for Davy Fitz and Wexford. Yeah, the, look, I think Davy Fitz is probably going to leave Wexford and even after the comments Paul Galvin made on Twitter as well, that probably doesn't help and there's going to be friction there between the footballers and the orders in the years to come. But moving on to Clare, like Clare were brilliant in the first uh, few minutes of the game and even you look at all over the field, not just Tony Kelly, like to Ryan Taylor, Aaron Shanahan, Aid McCarthy, etc. They're firing and they will be a dangerous side for Cork going into the next round. And I was actually, I think I before the game, I actually predicted it'd be one or two points either way. I thought Wexford would win the game because of their quality all over the field. But Claire just showed it Saturday. They have quality in nearly every position now. Carl Malone's another player who's turning up this year Ian Galvin didn't really turn up on Saturday he didn't score but he did it over the past few games against Tip and Watford so Clare the signs are good the the likes of them players coming through like last year it was all about Tony Kelly let's be let's be honest about it but this year a lot of their players now are stepping up Brian Lohan seems to be getting the right tactics into them and look Clare would be a tough assignment for Cork going into the next round and they'd be a tough assignment going in further down the championship. Like, if they play someone like a Tipperary or Kilkenny, I wouldn't be surprised if Clare beat them the way they played over the past three games. Like, against Tipperary, they were so unlucky with a refereeing decision that went the wrong way. So, they're much improved this year. It'll be a classic next Saturday uh, between Cork and Clare. Can't wait for it. But as for Wexford, it's hard to see how Davies stays on in, in all honesty. I think He's probably gone and 
the question is, where would Davy go now? Like this, this is actually a interesting question because I don't know who take him now. His former side, Clare won't take him now. Watford won't. I'd say Limerick are settled with John Kiley. I don't think Tip would. Cork are not brave enough to look outside the county, so I don't think they would. Kilkenny, no way. So I think the only team that could take him is Dublin. I suppose you'd be happy about that, Aaron, but we'll have to wait and see. But he's probably going to leave Wexford now, but it's going to be interesting where he goes next. Yeah, it is It is an interesting one, all right. Like, and I, I did see a few people saying that actually that Davy Fitz maybe will end up as as Dublin manager. Like, I suppose, first of all, I think Matty Kenny's done a, a good job with Dublin. He, he was brilliant with, with Cool, obviously won a few All-Irelands there. So I think he's more than earned his right anyway to stay on, even if we were to get beat, unless we were to get absolutely trashed in a quarterfinal by like 20 points or something like that. I think Matty Kenny has more than deserved another season at the helm, given the, the COVID situation as well. Maybe further down the line, Davy Fitz, like uh, Dublin, personally, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think... I know the style of play sometimes people have issue with, but look, listen, the last Clare man to, to manage Dublin was obviously Anthony Daly back in 2013, probably should have won us the All-Ireland. So personally, I wouldn't have too much of an issue with it. I mean, he could end up going to Galway as well. I know that was rumoured at one point and you never really know the situation with Galway. Like that's a, a potential one there. So I don't know, but I mean, in general, like obviously looking at a bit, a bit of his meltdown, like, I mean, he was obviously blaming, you know, he was saying people inside the, the Claire TV media were criticizing himself and his family and different things. And I suppose only only he really knows whether that's true or not. And I suppose we have to take his word for it and take him for for face value. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's a hard one with, with Davy Fitz. Like, I feel like he doesn't get the, the credit he deserves in some ways for what he's achieved winning an All-Ireland with Claire in 2013 and a year that no one really expected Clare to win in All-Ireland so I mean it's a hard it's a hard one to look at it it's a hard one to judge at it but he, he probably doesn't make life easier for himself anyways when he comes out with comments like that he doesn't know and um, look only he knows what goes on behind the scenes and what is said to his family and all that but as Paul Galvin said on Twitter it's it's getting it's getting kind of old now. Like Davy was mentioning this um, at the height of lockdown last year, and he mentioned it during the championship last year. And you just wonder, yes, you might feel sorry for him, but when's it going to stop? Really, like it's it's kind of getting old now. And even um, Paul Galvin going, coming out about comments about the him kicking the Wexford footballers out of the pitch so he could train. Like it's and that's why Paul Galvin eventually left. So it's. It looks like friction there, and maybe that's why the Wexford footballers haven't improved as they would have liked. I know they've improved this year, but Davy making hardly precedence um, in the county, like in a county that's steeped in tradition in football, they've won a lot of our learnings um, compared to other counties. So, look, that, in that regard, that's wrong. They, he shouldn't be kicking the footballers off the field if, if that's true or not. Uh, we don't know, but. If he is doing it, that is utterly wrong. Like, you can't... Yes, he's done wonders for Westford Hurling, but you can't really do that in a county steeped in football tradition as much as Hurling. So, look, what he's done in the past with Westford Hurling, he's done absolutely wonders. He's won the Leinster title. He got close to to a league title in many ways. He probably should have won the All-Ireland 2019 against Tipperary, and that was a huge chance miss considering they would have beat Kilkenny in the final and they probably would have beat them. So 
look, he's done wonders for Wexford Hurling and got them to this position, but it's as far as he could take them. And his his antiques over the last few years with the footballers, if that is true or not, is is utterly wrong in my opinion. Yeah, like, and I think a lot of Wexford people were very upset by the fact that in his interview, he just kind of harped on a load about Claire and how much he loved Claire and Claire this and Claire that. And he never even acknowledged Wexford at all. He, he, he didn't even, he, he said he was happy with the performance, but he didn't go into it in much detail and he didn't speak about the plans for the future and whatnot. And I think a lot of Wexford people were quite disappointed by that. And you kind of don't blame them really. Like, and yeah, it is hard to know where he goes from here. I mean, look, listen, he could surprise us all and stay on for another year. I mean, he's probably earned it in, in the fact that he won a Leinster title, but I think it's probably through mutual consent, probably best for, for all parties for him to probably go his separate ways and and maybe, you know, Wexford can, can look towards someone else. I suppose for Claire in particular, like just speaking about them before we wrap up on this game, like, I mean, are they underrated? Like, could they be a bit like kind of dark horses? Potentially? I've, I've kind of asked this question before, I know, but... Like, I feel like, especially with the way the draw is looking, like, Claire could potentially, like, I mean, like, with the quality that they have, like, with Tony Kelly and Aid McCarthy, I mean, it's not impossible that they go all the way to a, to a final, to a semi-final. Um, so, I mean, who knows from, from this point? Yeah, absolutely. And even looking at the players, they have all over the pitch that I've mentioned before, like, other than Tony Kelly, and Tony Kelly's still the highest scorer the championship, he's still tipping away. So, Yes, they are underrated. They will go into that Cork game next Saturday with huge confidence and going down the championship down the line as well. Like, look, as as the Hurling Championship has taught us over the last few years, anything's possible. And with Claire having those players at their disposal, other than Tony Kelly, of course, anything's possible. I think Claire could surprise a few with the championship. They're very good players. The likes of Carl Malone, Ian Galvin. Um, Aid McCarthy, all them, and Brian Taylor there as well. Shane O'Donnell still has to spark it to life as well. So, look, Claire, oh, there's always a chance. There's always a chance. I think they are underdogs going to the Cork game, considering Cork have played well in the league. They came close enough to Limerick, um, and they're under 20 title, obviously. So, Cork will be raging hot favourites, I think, going into the game. But look at Claire, I wouldn't sleep on them. They, they are definitely an underrated side and they could even go far in this championship, maybe even to the semi-finals or maybe even the final if they draw Kilkenny if they're lucky. Mm, yeah, it would be interesting, all right. Like, and I suppose Leash and Waterford was another game. It was Leash 221, Waterford 323. I mean, a brave effort from Leash, like a great fight back in the second half. They were leading at one stage going into the closing minutes. It looked like they were going to get over the line. I mean, it's, it's a moral victory in some ways for Leash, but similarly to the Clare game last year, like, I mean, they deserve a lot of credit, but at the same time, it's a huge opportunity missed for them, the fact that they haven't come through this game and, I suppose, gone on to play Galway. But I suppose at the same time, you have to admire Waterford's fight for, for digging deep and, and getting the job done in extra time. Yeah, and considering at half time it looked like Waterford were going to steamroll them. It was an eight-point game, I think, at half time, And you, you look at Leash, Dave, fought... Howard, they fought out perfect ball and Paddy Purcell especially scored 3-9 in the whole championship which was absolutely an incredible tally for him and took us um, PJ Scully, Kieran Comerford coming off the bench getting a goal he got a goal against Wexford as well so look, it was it was a decent enough championship for Leish they stayed in the, the Liam McCarthy Cup 
against all the odds, really, I thought Antrim and most people thought Antrim would actually beat them, considering what showing they put up against Wexford at the Leinster Championship. But fair play to them. They fought to the bitter end in that game. But then again, it happened against Clare last year. And Watford were there for the taking. I think they're kind of, they've kind of gone backwards since last year. You have to credit them for digging out the victory. But looking at their looking at their form in the league and looking at their form in the Munster Championship, losing so tamely to Clare and then struggling against Leeds and the All-Ireland. So it, the signs do not look good for Watford. Maybe they'll pull up a performance and shut us all up against Galway next Saturday. But we'll have to wait and see. But as for Leash, well done to them on a decent enough year for them. And they'll regroup for next year going to Lee McCarthy and still fancy their chances against Westmead again to staying up. But... I don't think Cheddar Plunk, that's probably what he wants, just a relegation battle every time. They want to progress like they did in 2019, get to a second row of the qualifiers at least, and if possible, a quarter final as well. So, look, that'll be the aim for Leash, not another relegation battle. And um, long may their championship journey continue. I think this is their third, or second or third year in a row in the championship now. And they'll... It's a good time for Leash Hurling, but then again, it was a huge opportunity missed. And as for Waterford, I think they've gone backwards this year, I'm afraid. Yeah, like, and I suppose for Waterford, they, they do obviously have a lot of injuries, which has obviously been been well documented. But yeah, like, they, they definitely don't seem to have the, the same spark. And I suppose it's it's hard to see how they can, can get past Galway, like, going into that next game. I mean, I know Galway are obviously coming in on the back of that defeat to Dublin, but I'm sure Galway, you know, they would have seen all the criticism over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, Galway probably wanted to get a game sooner, I'm sure, so that they can they can get back and, and respond to, to that loss, obviously, from, from Dublin. But, I mean, it's hard, it's hard for Waterford from here to see how they uh, get past Galway. Yeah, it's, it's hard enough to see a way past Galway for Waterford. Look at the... Players Galway have all over the pitch. I know they lost to Dublin, but still, you look at um, the players Galway have, Connor Whelan, Joe Canning. If they fire, I think Watford are gone, personally. But then again, it's the Hurley Championship. It can, there can be shocks anywhere. And look, Watford even proved last year they were underdogs going into the Kilkenny game last year and they pulled it out of the bag. Like, Liam Cahill is a decent coach. They'll, they'll regroup now. They'll they'll see where they went wrong on Saturday and move on to next Saturday against Galway. They're, they've nothing to lose, really. Like, everybody's expecting them to lose. Galway are coming in expecting to win. Well, I suppose Galway won't be that confident going into it. They were confident going into the Dublin game and look how that turned out. So I don't think they'll make the same mistake again. Look, it'll, it'll be a tight game, I think, because Watford have to improve. But Galway, I think, should have enough. But... Then again, we'll have to wait and see. Watford might pull up a performance out of the bag. But look, Godwin definitely have the most quality of the pitch. And I think that's the quality that will see them through in the end. Yeah, like, and I suppose in the end, like, it will be interesting definitely to, to keep an eye on them. And like what you said, it definitely is a free hit for them. Like, the pressure definitely isn't on them going into the game. And I suppose it'd be interesting to, to keep an eye on it. You had Westmead 229, Kerry 124 in the, the John McDonough Cup final. Obviously, that was in Crow Park before the, the Dublin Kilkenny game. I suppose a, a big win for Westmead. I mean, they've certainly, like similarly to Leash, 
had a very poor league campaign, obviously. And obviously, it's always going to be very tough for Westmead, given the sides they're coming up against. But in this game, they were fantastic. And in the John McDonough Cup in general, they've been brilliant. So huge win for Westmead. And I suppose third time lucky, they're, they're going to be a Lee McCarthy and a, a Leinster Senior Hurling Championship team next year. Yeah, well done to all involved in Westmead. And I hope they enjoy it. But um, Kerry, it must be tough for them losing two in a row. But Westmead have been through it, obviously, themselves. And look, um, Kerry, you have to recover now next year. But it's... Jeez, um, for Kerry, it's going to be hugely tough now next year. The likes of Offley coming into us, you'd think they'll be coming up for the Christie Ring Cup. Antrim coming down from the Liam McCarthy, it's it's going to be a tough ask for Kerry. And look, I actually don't see Kerry even getting to a final next year. And it's tough on the Kerry boys uh, seeing how they performed over the last few years at the Joe McDonough Cup. As for Westmead, brilliant achievements and it shows like they played well against Watford in Division One. They were close enough there, but it probably showed the the level of opposition they came up against rather than Kerry Division Two A and Westmead bossed this game from start to finish, really. And look, Westmead have the players for you know um competing in the Liam McCarthy. Killian Doyle is a brilliant player. Uh Angus Clark from centre back. Uh Josh Call, I think, is is definitely one to watch next year. I think he was impressive in games against Cork or Waterford in the league campaign, and he was impressive again against Kerry. So, look, Westby definitely have players to compete. Um, well done to them. It is third time lucky, and maybe Kerry can take inspiration from that. But then again, with Offaly and Antrim coming into the fray next year, I think it's going to be a very tough year for Kerry. But well done to Westmead and onwards and upwards for them. Yeah, like I suppose like what you said with Kerry, like when, when you're looking at what's coming down and what's coming up, you've obviously got Offaly coming up, you've got Antrim coming down. I mean, Mead have massively turned things around and we'll get into them in a moment. Obviously, they beat Kildare. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for Kerry and Carlo are obviously improving as well. Like you, you might even make a case that Kerry could potentially be in a relegation battle in the in the John McDonough next year, which seems very harsh considering they've been in the final in the past two years. But it's, it's going to be tough for them. It really is. Um, and I suppose moving on from that, like what I was saying, you had Kildare, 115, Mead, 28 points. I mean, I, I didn't see the game and I didn't see Mead's game last last week either. But, I mean, what a turnaround from Mead. They obviously beat Kerry. Uh, they scored 28 points in that game as well. And now they've beaten Kildare by 10 points. I think a lot of people fancied Kildare, given the fact that Kildare really put it up to both Westmead and Carlo. But huge turnaround for Mead and after a very disappointing Division 2 league campaign, I mean, they're they're looking good for, for John McDonough Cup next year. They are looking good, yeah. And uh, it was a decent win over their rivals, Kildare. And look at Kildare's league form. Look at how they played against Westmead and Carlos. Similarly to yourself, I thought Kildare would win this game against Mead. But Mead just, geez, they blew them out of the water. And um, it, was, it was unexpected in many ways. But considering Mead have been up in the Lee McCarthy in the past, I think, and in the in the Joe McDonough, they've been there thereabouts. It's probably not a surprise looking at that looking at it that way. But looking at the last two weeks, it's it's been a miraculous turnaround and well done to all involved for me. And look, Kildare, so much promise after the league campaign. I thought they'd actually challenge for the Lee, to get promoted to the Lee McCarthy Cup, but Look, it's back down to the Christie ring and it's it was a tough year for Kildare. Well, given the 
size in it. So I think Kildare should be proud of themselves. The likes of Carlo and Westmead, they were placed into the group of this and they came out with confidence, but lost against Mead ultimately. And maybe that took its toll on Kildare in many ways. But then again, well done to Mead. They've stayed up for another year and they could even challenge next year. I highly doubt it with the sides that are there, the likes of Carlo, Antrim and Offaly. But you never know. Um, Mead could spring a surprise like they did against Kerry last week. So onwards and upwards for Mead, but for Kildare, it's going to be a tough one to take. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit of a reality check. It kind of reminds me to to what happened with Antrim in the in the game versus Dublin, where you know both sides coming off brilliant league campaigns, and Kildare obviously coming off a fairly impressive Joe McDonough Cup campaign. Like arguably could have beaten Bo Carlo and Westmead in in their two games. Potentially could have even seen themselves in a final. And when you look at it, like Westmead ended up beating Kerry very very comfortably in Crow Park, and Kildare only came within a point of. Of Westmead, so it is uh, it is quite a tough one to take, I suppose. Uh, we'll move on to the football. Before I do that, I'll just I'll swing back to the Dublin Kilkenny game. Forgot to mention, I did uh, record a bit of a match day vlog when I was there, so we'll uh, upload that a little bit later in the week for for anyone that's interested. Thank you very much for watching and listening and tuning in to this uh, hurling review show. The football review show will be out tomorrow, so do stay tuned for that. But thanks very much for anyone who do who did tune in. Uh, GA Statsman podcast link down below go ahead and check it out if you haven't already and I'll see you all in the next one